0: Welcome to Jags Drive Time with John Osherberg and Brian Sexton. Sexton. Wow!
1: Jags Drive Time starts right now.
0: Good morning and welcome to Jags Drive Time, the first of the out of season. Been off for about a month and we're just getting cranked back up here as we approach the start of the new league year, free agency, the draft. And everything that is the offseason. I'm Brian Sexton, along with John Osier And, uh, John, it's been relatively quiet. And before we jump into big things, it'll probably stay relatively quiet.
1: Yeah, it, I, I expect it will stay quiet until uh, well next week's combine. And then as you start approaching March 15th of the league year, this is probably the last super quiet drive time. And then as you approach March 15th, which is free agency, you will start hearing things ramp up, and then away we go. All
0: right, let's jump into big things this morning, and we'll start with R&R, and that's Calvin Ridley and reinstatement. Last week, Wednesday the 15th of February, was the first day that he could apply for reinstatement. There's no set date for what the announcement will be made, but all Jaguars' eyes are focused on the acquisition the general manager Trent Baalke made At the trade deadline last fall, we've been waiting to see when this might happen. Then the obvious will be asked next week at the Combine, when and what can you expect to get from Calvin Ridley? The Combine will give us those answers. And by the way, this show will emanate with John and J.P. Shadrick from the Combine on Wednesday when Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke are speaking next week. Big thing, too, and this is a big one for the Jaguars, and that is restructure. Contracts and the salary cap now take center stage. It's, it's the nerd time, the egghead time, if you will, of the football season. And that's when numbers are crunched and contracts are valued and decisions have to be made. And we'll go over that in just a few moments. There are some decisions the Jaguars can make. We'll give you a couple of theoretical right now today as it stands. According to SpotTrack, which is one of several contract uh, uh, websites out there, the NFL Team Web Team Salary Caps, Uh, the Jaguars are roughly $32 million over. And all numbers that we share with you here today are rough estimations. And finally, big thing three, this is a really big one, and that is when the Jaguars restock the roster, they're not going to do it in March like they've done in years past around here through free agency. It'll be the NFL draft in April, and you can be sure that's where Trent Baalke and the the college scouting staff are really focused on using the draft. He said it in his postseason uh, draft, um, not draft uh, postseason news conference, that this was going to be an important transition for the franchise from one that uses free agency to one that uses the draft. And those are big ideas, big things, big topics as we work through the Jaguars and the start of the new league year. And let's go right to the restructuring side of it, John. Uh, which is the interesting part because the Jaguars are over the cap. They've got to get by the 15th, by 4 o'clock on the 15th, they've got to get under the salary cap. Mm -hmm. They don't have to get a far piece under it, right? But they've got to get under it. So when you look at guys like this, and here are four players that I chose by their age, by their salary cap number, and by their production last year. So Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, both had career years. Foye Aluakan, right, at $19 million is a huge cap figure, and he led the league in tackles for the second consecutive year. And if only did not have the huge impact year. But big guys up front come at a premium, and he's got a 12.75 cap number. These are four guys that you could work with and extend. And I think people might recall, Jaguars and the Bengals are the only two teams currently right. that don't have a dollar pushed forward into the 2024 or 2025 salary cap. Basically, they pay it, they claim it, they pay as they go. But that yeah. has to change.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing before we get started on this, uh, there's not much to say about Calvin Ridley. He's the top one, right? What I would say to people who are who are saying why haven't we heard any news on this? Reinstatements are the one area where you rarely hear things until they actually happen. Uh, sometimes with news in the NFL, you hear like sneak news. You hear, hey, I, I'm hearing from the league office. It's not unusual that you're not hearing anything on Calvin Ridley. There's not much more to say about him. So I kind of wanted to get that out of the way first. Well, let's just do one thing real quick.
0: And and if if we could get David Cho, our producer-director, to throw up the numbers. Just in case people are wondering why the Calvin Ridley acquisition is so interesting. He has 28 touchdowns. And remember, in 2021, he only played five games before he took that break for mental health. He has 28 touchdowns in 49 career games played. He has 28 touchdowns in 35 starts. So he's been hugely productive. And in 2020, the last full season he played, you can see what he did. And everyone knows 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns would be a huge increase for what Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence want to
1: do. It's going to be a fascinating thing. I think you have to watch this with, I'm going to say skepticism, but you have to watch him early next year Uh, because I believe he'll be reinstated. Everybody does. Um, How much the layoff has hurt, it is an extended layoff. I don't think you can necessarily look at him as he's going to step in and be a a big-time one immediately, but I think you can assume that he's going to help this thing and give them elements, and if he is that big-time one, boy what an acquisition it well
0: is. look and one more thing to say about this is that's why I think folks are wondering will he be here when the offseason program begins in early April yeah I
1: can't imagine he's not I mean because I,
0: that gives him a better chance to be more productive by the time you get to September
1: yeah I can't imagine he won't be uh, he's applied for reinstatement and uh, this is all just assuming logic comes into play and and oftentimes in the offseason it does um, the Jaguars need to know. Uh, if, and if, if you're going to reinstate Calvin Ridley, which they have reportedly he's applied for it, from, from a league perspective, um, if, if you're going to reinstate him, then you want to – the league likes success stories. If you're going to reinstate him, you want to reinstate him before the offseason program begins because if you're going to reinstate him, then you say, okay, he's ready to come back. Well, be fair to him and let him come back. Right, give him a shot and have as much success as possible. I can't imagine it not playing out that way, Brian. All right, so now let's
0: go to big thing two and restructure and put back up those yep. numbers. When you're looking at the production that you had from Christian Kirk and Zay Jones in particular, they both have big cap numbers. You both, you expect both of them will be a part of your program going forward for several years yeah. with Calvin Ridley. So there's plenty of room there. There's room with Foye Aluakon and Foley uh, Fatukasi. What's interesting is those are about it from, from total restructures. I guess you could redo Cam Robinson. Well, you can also
1: redo the guys that are uh, Rayshon Jenkins, Roy Robinson, Harris, oh, see now, Agnes. Yeah,
0: That's where I'm going with this okay. because there are some guys that you may not be able to keep. Right. Right. So if you take Roy Robertson Harris, who has an eight million dollar cap figure, right? Jamal Agnew, I'm sorry, Roy Robertson Harris would save you eight million. Right. This is outright cut. This is not restructure. Right. Agnew four and a half. Jenkins six. Shaq Griffin, who I think we all expect will give you thirteen. You could pick up the cap room you need right there. That's thirty one and a half. But the million. first
1: three, I believe, you can also work with their contract. You totally can. You so, totally can. Yeah, There's two right. ways to go, I guess,
0: is what I'm trying right. to say. One is you could just massively cut and try to restock, or you can restructure. There's two ways to do that. One is with the guys that you know are going to be here, and one are with guys that you'd like to keep for a couple more years.
1: Yeah, And I think the key is um, Christian and Zay, to me, seem very logical in this. Uh, And we don't really know for sure how Trent Baalke thinks about this because most GMs don't really lay out their whole plan on this. So we have to sort of assume... Uh, where they're going and sort of what his philosophy is. Right. Um, so it, it absolutely stands to reason that somebody like Christian Kirk, you looked at him this year, um, you can easily see him being what I call a lifer free agent. And many free agents aren't. Many free agents are signed essentially now for two years. And then with, with the option of being able to let those guys go, they almost sign two-year deals and then fans get mad when they get released. Say, oh, they screwed up the cap. Well, it's not because a lot of those guys were signed for two years. Right. Christian and Zay played like guys, like you say, long-term guys. So they are guys where you can all of a sudden find some money, push it out. Also with those two guys, I was going to say particularly Christian, but really both of them, um, they gave no signs this year of being take the money and run guys. You don't want to extend guys who you think are are near the end or who aren't motivated, both of those guys want to be here, want to be part of it. So they make sense. So there's options. Restructure, right? There's these four guys and the other three we mentioned,
0: Roy Robertson-Harris, Jamal Agnew, and Rayshawn Jenkins. Guys we assume you'd want to have around. Or there's restructure and release, right? Yeah. Let some guys go. Make room for other guys that you want on the roster. That's the key conversation that Balke and Doug Peterson and their staffs have either already have or are in the middle of having right now.
1: Yeah, and I think realistically, they've had these conversations since these contracts were signed. Remember when they uh, when they did the cap the last two off seasons, Tim Walsh and Trent Balke, they were already looking at okay, what are our scenarios? If this player plays well, if this player plays well, they do it all the time. Production has to factor into it. There's been... I've gotten a lot of questions because there's been so much talk about the cap and uh, there's been so much talk in the media and here about them being up against the cap. Oh, why did they screw this up? It's not even remotely screwed up. No. Uh, They're in... They're in excellent cap shape. Right. You... You can't compete in this league anymore and not have a few, quote, cap issues. You can't have a clean cap except in those couple of years where you're trying to clean it so that you can go unclean it. Right. You know, so you can't. It, this was in no way a screw-up. This was trying to get back to competitive, and they did that last season. And I think it bears it bears
0: saying here that where Robertson Harris, Jamal Agnew, Rayshawn Jenkins, and to a a degree Shaq Griffin, but we'll leave him out of this. But Roy Robertson-Harris, Jamal Agnew, and Sean Jenkins were guys that when you signed them in 2021...
1: They were essentially two-year guys.
0: Exactly. But all three of them Mm -hmm. played so well, especially down the stretch for this football team. Now you start thinking a little differently. Instead of releasing them and picking up, for these guys, it's almost $20 million if you release them. Now you start thinking about how far out can we reasonably push the money so that we still get production and we still have these guys on the roster, but we don't overextend ourselves.
1: They signed pretty standard situations for their level of player coming in. And when I say that, I don't mean to demean them as players, but they were not uh, the number one guy at their position, players when they signed with the Jags. When you sign players who you expect to be starters and expect to be good players – you do it for two years, and you and if you're Trent Balky you say to yourself, I hope this guy's a problem for me in two years. Yeah. And, and and those three guys are. A lot of credit to them. They played their way into being problems uh, for Rayshon Trent. Jenkins gave you two of the most memorable yeah. plays in franchise history. And, and that's what you hope for out of free agency, right. by the way.
0: Uh, one quick thought, and let's throw this up here real quick. It brings us to big thing three, which was restock the roster. The last two drafts you reasonably can pick out nine starters, right? And that's what this team has to be focused on doing at the end of April in the draft. All of those guys, without exception, you could say played an important part in this this season. Some more than others, obviously, but all of them were guys that you counted on. You got to do that again. We got to have a graphic that has another third of it next year with three or four guys that restock this roster because you're not going to do it through free agency which Jaguars fans, this franchise, has become accustomed to doing. That'll do it for big things. When we come back, the Ozone mailbag joins us. Oh, wait, he's already with us. Uh, I am the mailbag. We're back after this. This broadcast is Ozone friendly. The Ozone. And welcome back to Jags Drive Time, presented by Car Shield. here on a Tuesday morning in February. We'll be here on Tuesdays for most of the offseason, as I mentioned. Next week, John will be at the Combine in Indianapolis with J.P. Shadrick. This show will move to Wednesday because the head coach and the general manager are both making their annual speaking uh, uh,
1: presentation. What it, what it, yeah, I think what's going conference. on, I think... I hope Ridley's not as rusty as me. Um Doug and Trent, I believe, talked Tuesday, and they were kicking drive time. Uh, so you have to talk about the next day. To Wednesday. But whenever Doug and Trent talk, and I'm 99% sure it's uh, Tuesday around 1230, um, whenever they talk, uh, we will have their press conferences. Live on January And, and uh, we will be discussing it and covering it. So it will be covered, and then we'll come back the next day. All right, so
0: let's grab the Ozone. And first out of the gate is Brian from Wheeling, Who wants to know? He says, hey, look, the Jags took the NFL by surprise last season and did a lot better than expected. Can they do the same or better knowing they're not a walkover? In other words, you're not going to surprise people in 2023.
1: Yeah, I'm not as big on this theme when analyzing the NFL as a lot of people. Uh, Mainly because I don't know if realistically, just because the Jags weren't very good in 2021 – I don't know that they surprised the Cowboys when they beat them out here. Right. They were, you know, they had film. Uh, they looked at it. Uh, I'm not big on thinking that team. I mean, I know teams get up for certain games in their own division, but generally NFL teams don't go in saying, "Oh, we're going to," you know, uh, beat these guys. It's more about matchups. It's more about game planning and scheming. Um, I think. The issue next year will be less. I mean, for instance, you think the Chargers overlooked him in the playoffs. They had already uh, beaten him out there by twenty-eight. Right. So let's not denigrate what the Jaguars did by saying they overlooked him. What will be a factor is there is a higher percentage chance that you're playing contending teams next year because of that first-place schedule. When the Jaguars beat
0: the Bills in November of 2021 mm-hmm. right they surprised him sure right that was the case because the jaguars roster wasn't very good they weren't very well coached in right. 2021 and as a result you know the bills probably looked at the tape and said look if we just go execute our game plan and do what we do with our quarterback against that rookie right we win and that wasn't the case right. that's not going to be the case in 2023 now the difference is people look at this roster and they look at the head coach right and I think Doug is the difference in a lot of these situations. It doesn't matter whether you're surprised or not. Right. You're gonna to have to deal with him and his game plan. And I thought he was so innovative in the way that he approached it this year that it's Doug's game plan with the talent you've got here
1: that you have to contend with. Yeah, and and it's Trevor Lawrence. That's what I mean. Starting that. right. starting to make plays um Above the X's nose. Above the X's nose. And, and in the second half of the season that gave them Significant points and significant advantages in some games. Uh, Yeah, teams are going to know about the Jags. But when this team got good late in the season, teams already knew about it. Line up and play. With this coach and this quarterback, you have to line up and play.
0: You don't worry about whether people are prepared for you or not. All right. Ozone question number two. It's John from the land of Indian River. Ozone, what's different about this Jaguar staff's approach and philosophy from past Jaguars.
1: Yeah. And when picking these questions, you know, it, it's a little bit of a slow time. So I went a little bit more philosophical. And this is, lo and behold, the question about I God, that. Uh, philosophy. Um, you know, when I answered this in writing, it's a tricky subject because realistically, when NFL people start talking about approach and philosophy, they use sort of the same buzzwords it's culture, it's, uh, motivation, training, you know, all those things, mainly culture. So when we say, well, Doug created a culture, well, I'll guarantee you when the Colts hire their new coach, he's up there talking about culture. Marone talked about culture. Urban Meyer talked about culture. Everybody talks about culture. Um, the difference is, I think, Doug Peterson, the difference is in the ability to have players buy into that. All staff sort of have the same approach and philosophy, pretty close, it's do you have the, you know, are you a man that they want to follow if you're a coach? Doug is that. And I think that's the fundamental difference in approach and philosophy is players look up at the front of the room when that guy's talking and say, I believe in that. If there's
0: anything I can add to that, it's that his fearless mentality, Mm -hmm. right? Going for it on fourth down on his side of the 50-yard line, the plays that he called, the instincts that he has – Doug has no fear. Not that coaches live in fear on the sideline, but some are more conservative. Some play situational football differently than Doug did. Doug was going to go for it with his team. And he told us in the preseason, John, that he was going to use this season to teach Mm -hmm. this team his philosophy and his approach. And, of course, as you just mentioned, these guys loved playing for him But a lot of
1: guys do that these days, and there's still a backbone and a spine you've got to have to it. Meaning you know, when a player is in Doug's office talking to him, is, is he getting the same guy that he's getting when he's walking out to the field? Is he getting the same guy when Doug's in a bad mood and had a bad day? Um, and, and, and we I heard that they d- did. They did, yeah. And, you know, so, again, approach and philosophy are, are words that everybody says. Um, Doug, so far, has shown that he's a guy that uh, these players believe in. I have no reason to think that'll change. All right. And our final ozone question for today
0: comes to Justin, or comes from Justin to John from New York City. And will the
1: Jags have a chance to evaluate Ridley at all before the draft? Here's another tricky one, a little. I mean, I'm assuming that he gets in. I'm assuming that he'll be here April 17th when it starts. Um, but the draft is April 28th. And the first two, the first two weeks of the offseason program are – Conditioning meetings rehab, so in terms of on the field with Pat, you know, with any kind of pads, no. But the reality is, they know what he is. Uh, they have an idea about what kind of shape he's in. Uh, they've done due diligence on that front. Uh, remember when you analyze this and when you worry about it as a fan, they gave up a fourth and a fifth conditional turns into fifth. I mean minimal risk involved with this trade for the possible payout and from everything you hear from people who know calvin from uh christian kirk is good friends with calvin he says look this guy's dedicated he's on you know he's on point there's no reason to believe he won't come in and be physically ready to go uh, will there be some rust yeah uh they won't be able to evaluate him on the field but all of that stuff they are as prepared as you can be in this situation, and they are as informed as, as you can be in this situation, or they wouldn't have made the trade.
0: And I think it's reasonable to expect that they're not going to do a lot of evaluating of him because of the draft. right? I mean, this is not a team that's receiver-needy. Right. If there's somebody who's so good right. and so highly graded on their board that they can't pass him up, right. well, they're going to take that player anyway. They'll make the evaluation about Ridley in August about how he fits in and can help them yeah. in September when the regular season starts. So Justin, they don't need to be, you know, diving knee deep into the evaluations in the first couple of weeks of the offseason program. They'll be looking at conditioning and things of that nature, and they'll worry more about what he brings in August when he gets back. Yeah, It's sort the game of a weird situations. perception,
1: Brian, that and I get it because we're so used to around here of the off-season acquisition being such a big deal. And Calvin really has the potential to be a big deal. Um, but it's not like they pushed all the chips in on this right. and signed this guy to a mega deal. Uh, this is a lower-risk acquisition than Christian Kirk yeah. in terms of what they gave up. They're
0: paying $11 million for him this year.
1: Right. So this is a very calculated move with – Big upside, huge potential payout, and relatively little risk. Yeah. So it could uh, turn
0: out to be a shrewd,
1: yeah, but really, as you said, this question move. sort of implies that. Oh my goodness, we have to have a receiver, right. or we are in big time trouble. We need to evaluate this guy, and if he's a step slow, we got to uh, take one in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. it's not that sort of pressure situation. No,
0: not at all. Well, there's the ozone mailbag, which would be a regular part of our program throughout the offseason. and when we return we'll take a look around the AFC South there's been plenty of change and plenty coming we'll do that when we return here on Jags Drive Time well let's see there's uh, two new coaches and a new general manager and all sorts of possibilities in the AFC South Thought we'd go around the division and take a look and see at least from a 30,000-foot view uh, here on Jags Drive Time presented by CarShield. So let's start with the Titans, who have a new general manager in Rand Carthon. Remember, when they fired their general manager last year, they didn't win another game.
1: Right. And we were all surprised when they let him go. Yeah. Uh, there's still something. We talked during the break, but... There's something about Vrabel and about that team that still you've got to knock them out before they're out. He's a really good coach. And we sort of saw that this year. They lost, what, six in a row coming into this game. Yes. And they still probably should have won the game. You know, And uh, I only say that because when you win on a fumble return in the last three minutes of the game, I'm sure that – the Titans are up there saying we should have won that game. Well, it
0: was remarkable because so, Joshua
1: Dobbs had them in a position yeah. to win that
0: ballgame with everything that was on the line with the long losing streak, and he'd only been there for two yeah. weeks. So the number one thing I wrote down for them, their number one priority, is who's going to be their quarterback? Who's going to be their quarterback?
1: And, you know, it's, uh, it didn't look at the end of the season like they had their heir apparent yet. Um,
0: Well, Dobbs started instead of Malik
1: Willis, so there's a big question there. Well, and some of that is, okay, a young guy comes in, you see what he is, and you're trying to win a game right now, but you still like the future. That that wouldn't panic me, um, but it wouldn't make me feel real great either. So are they a team that believes in him? That's a huge step to make. Uh, On paper, if they went the Malik Willis route – You would think okay rebuilding but again there's something about the way they play they know how to play even if he's the quarterback the Titans are a team that feels to me like they're gonna be at least around 500 going into December and you always got to worry about them
0: one other question you got to figure that there's a big decision on Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. right not that you cut him or not but do you maximize what is probably one of his remaining one or two seems slower last year than he was the year before and that just happens with those big, bruising backs. So, if you're going to keep Derrick Henry as your centerpiece, do you keep Ryan Tannehill? Because it gives you the best chance to maximize Derrick Henry.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, that'll be interesting. Or do I, you swing for an Aaron Rodgers? They've got the cap room. You would think with a new GM coming in, uh, it's hard Garoppolo. to say. You could easily say, hey, we're going to try to ease Derrick Henry into retirement, meaning over the next few years, not use him as much, use him in spot, but he's a guy, if, if you've got him on your team yeah. and, it, and it's third and three, you're going to use it. Right. So uh, with a new GM, it, it would be a little surprising historically if it was a swing for the fences type thing, uh, but they're a team that typically believes – going into every season, that they have a chance to get it done.
0: Well, they reignited Tannehill's career. Could they reignite Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. who was with Rand Carthon in San Francisco? Big questions in Nashville.
1: And some Patriots feel there yeah. with uh, Vrabel, so it wouldn't, yeah. 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 wouldn't be a huge reach. Colts, same question, right? Shane Steichen, the new head coach,
0: and they've um, they got a quarterback issue, and they've, they've tried to play Patchett with a variety of different players since Andrew Luck up and retired. Yeah. Um, they're near the top of the draft there. are A couple of names up there. The question is, how good is their roster and what do they do Well at quarterback? Because their roster on defense is pretty talented.
1: Yeah. I wonder about the Colts because of this. We sort of said for years that we felt like the roster was great and the offensive line was really great and all it needed was a quarterback. And I wonder if, if that um, – Sort of became the thing that we all said, and over time it wasn't as true. If you follow, sometimes you sort of you fall into the trap of saying, "Well, they got a great roster." Well, last year they really didn't look like a great team, even around uh, Matt Ryan, and the offensive line did not perform as well as its reputation. So, it it strikes me that this might be a year where the Colts. They have had a lot of success over the last 25 years with young quarterback, highly drafted quarterback, one year, and then all of a sudden, boom, they get back in it. Uh, They got back in it quickly with Andrew Luck as a rookie, and then it took Peyton his second year before they got back into it. Um, Feels like they're going to number one overall, number two overall type quarterback. Uh, From a Jaguars fan's perspective, wouldn't you think that their quote luck runs out with that, and eventually they draft one that's not great? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what Jaguars fans hope. I, I I've got to believe eventually you don't hit a home run with that spot, but we'll see. If they do, then they're the most blessed franchise in football Ever. of the because you think about it, that would be unprecedented. Or to have th- right. three, right? Because you yeah, had because far luck f- was on his way. Right, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. And then it, it sort of got squirrely. But the pick I mean, all of a sudden they're a contender immediately with him and then Peyton. Farvin and Rodgers sort of did it. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, has anybody gone back-to-back quite like that? Back-to-back-to-back, um, Jay Mercer is leaving a charmed life if that happens.
0: Alright, let's finish with the Texans obviously. Look, D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach, former Texans linebacker. They have draft capital, they have salary cap room, they have a ton of picks from the Deshaun Watson trade, there's a real opportunity, which is why he was interested yeah. in this job, for them if they can find the quarterback. All three of these teams in the AFC South have quarterback as their number one question.
1: Well, the Texans have they have uh, they've been through it, too. They've waited a long time for this, uh, or at least it feels like it has. They went from being a very consistent franchise, always sort of contending, and sort of being Sort of similar to the Titans in that sense, where even if they didn't have a great quarterback and uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, a great, but maybe not in that elite, um, you know, uh, they were always right there. You always had to worry about them. And then all of a sudden, everything went south. And, you know, they've had as bad a luck, as bad a results as anybody in the league the last two years. So they've sort of, in that sense, the same way the Jaguars sort of earned their. Surge last year. They've earned their situation. I mean, they've been through it. Uh, it it's sort of hard to imagine them jumping to contending status immediately because they have so many holes uh, probably two years away. And As you said, the quarterback's a big question. And there are a couple of quarterbacks at the top of the draft,
0: and we'll cover that ad nauseum on future editions of this show. Let's wrap it up when we come back. You're watching Jags Drive Time on a Tuesday in February with the um, Combine coming next week. And, of course, we'll have coverage here on Jaguars.com. Back in a moment. Well, Magellan moves the freight every day. And you can move it with them. They've been voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville. And they invite you to apply online at MagellanLogistics.com. Move the freight with Magellan Transport. Brian and John, back to wrap up the show. Uh, you checked Doug and Trent talk on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, they talk Tuesday, first day of the Combine. Uh, 12, 30, and 1 is is, is, is is what I'm saying. And then we'll carry them, discuss them Tuesday, and then come back on Wednesday with drive time and probably talk about what they said again. Yeah, over
0: and over and over. Over and over again. Uh, We'll be talking about the same scenarios, right? How the Jaguars get to the salary cap, uh, where they go in terms of trying to bring back a guy like um, Juwan Taylor and Evan Ingram, uh, and then start looking towards the draft. And of course, for the first time in a couple of years, we'll be watching and uh, trying to see what 23 teams in front of them are doing. That will be more interesting than, hey, we know who they're going to take first overall.
1: Yeah, best thing, Ryan. I don't think there's any way they can trade back into the first round. <laughs> there, there, there's nothing worse than draft night when they trade into the first I don't round at 11 is, o'clock. Yeah,
0: well, when you're on site like I was <laughs> yeah. last year and the guy's not there for the second year in right. a row, you're like, God, I hope they draft back yeah. into the first round. So I have something to well, do. that's true. That's true. And we did this year, so we but appreciate that. But anything
1: to do. It's easy. <laughs> I
0: appreciate that. <laughs> All right, John Osher, enjoy your trip to Indianapolis. Looking forward to it. And for our broadcast crew, welcome back to Jags Drive Time. We'll see you next Wednesday here on Drive Time you we'll